Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, February the 7th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we take a very, very brief crash course on new Dolphins offensive coordinator Chad O'Shea's offensive system. We dive into the quarterback situation, including yet another segment on Kyler Murray. Flores gets five years fully guaranteed. What does that mean? And plenty of other interesting news nuggets on this Thursday. All of that and much, much more. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com today, the first part of a 10-part series looking at the Dolphins roster in its entirety. Free agents, draftable players at that position, everything you want to know heading into the offseason up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And last but not least... The other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. It's draft season, so check out Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes Podcast, both part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I know I say this almost every single show, but it seems like with the new coaching hire and all this stuff going on, we have busy shows every single day. And with that, let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. First up on the agenda today, I didn't get to it on yesterday's podcast, which if you have not heard it yet, very popular out there on the Twitterverse with Omar Kelly, a solid 35-40 minutes we spoke, just a great conversation with one of the longtime Dolphins beat writers of the Sun Sentinel, check that podcast out if you have not, but one of the news items I was not able to get to is the fact that Brian Flores' contract details have been released Five years, fully guaranteed. Every penny they put on that contract will be seen by Brian Flores in his future. They obviously are very committed to him and this rebuild process. I think that pretty much means that year one will be a wash regardless of what happens because most coaching contracts, as everybody else in the NFL this year that got hired, got four-year deals, which is pretty common practice in the NFL outside of that crazy operation in Vegas or Oakland or wherever the hell they are now with John Gruden getting 10 years fully guaranteed. But that is a blip on the radar. Brian Flores, five years fully guaranteed in Miami. It means they wanted him and they identified him as the guy they wanted as their head coach. But I suppose one kind of weary aspect of that is Brian Flores talked about the options he had as being a coach and he wanted to pick the right one. Well, is the reason that this is the right job because he got that fat paycheck? I'm not sure exactly the numbers on the contract, how much it's for, but I know coaches tend to get in the five, six million dollar range per year. So $30 million fully guaranteed. I don't think anybody's turning that down. I'm not saying he chased the money. It's just a thought that I had because why wouldn't you think that when he talked about the right job? So Brian Flores, five years, going to be here for the long term. And he also has an offensive coordinator, now official, Chad O'Shea, former wide receivers coach of the New England Patriots, dating back to 2009, will come to Miami and be the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins. The article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, taking a look behind all these coaches' backgrounds. You guys can find that. It's called Speed Dating, 2019 Dolphins Coaching Edition. 
So you can get to know Chad O'Shea a little bit better on that article. Also talked about him on a podcast. I think it was last week. Other news about the Dolphins offensive staff. They added an assistant staffer under Chad O'Shea. And this one makes a lot of sense. He was drafted in 2009 by the New England Patriots as a wide receiver. He is Tyquan Underwood. And he spent a few years in the NFL from 09 through 2014 with the Jaguars, Patriots, Buccaneers, and Panthers. He went to the CFL to play in Hamilton and the Montreal Alouette. And then he was a coach last year at Lafayette in 2018. So he'll be an assistant staffer under Chad O'Shea. Don't lose your minds. Don't worry about him being a inexperienced coach. He is an assistant, basically an intern on the staff, trying to learn the tricks of the trade. That's what coaching staffs do. They develop talent underneath their top guys. And that's the approach they're taking here. And then that brings us to the idea of what type of offensive scheme will Chad O'Shea run in Miami? And I think it's Pretty safe to say he's probably going to bring a lot of the same principles from New England down to Miami because this Erhart Perkins system that is very commonly ran across the league is a matchup-based scheme, and we all know about the utilization of the running backs in the passing game. That will be a focal point, but that's more about identifying coverage pre-snap and just knowing the best plan of attack from there. We've all heard Tom Brady at the line of scrimmage making his Rita and Linda calls. Those serve as protection calls, as directional protection calls. He also identifies the mic, and that helps them figure out who is coming from which direction, who has which gap, and which blitzers coming into which gap should be picked up by which offensive lineman. I know it's a mouthful, but that is step number one. And then after that, it's actually a lot like Adam Gaze wanted to do in Miami with his offense. And like I said, most coaches are running variations of the E&P scheme, Brady has just simply mastered it up there in New England. And we saw in the Super Bowl on the Patriots' lone touchdown drive, they want to identify these matchups and take advantage of them. On that drive, they ran the same play three different times. It was an empty set, spread them out five wide, get the back and tight end out into the plus splits. And plus splits are splits that go beyond the numbers on the field. Those are the wide splits you'll see. They're called plus splits. Have them run, have those two guys run hitches to occupy a defender and give you spacing horizontally across the field, which just makes players commit to that outside receiver, which really isn't a threat in the passing game, but you have to defend them because you can throw that ball for five yards every single time if they do not. And then from there, you threaten the seams up the slot from both directions. So the inside guys take up the seam. And then on the inside, the third inside slot, they had Julian Edelman running choice routes, whether it was a pivot, a whip, a jerk, whatever you want to call those where it's a two-way directional go and he can make a one-on-one move against a linebacker in the middle of the field. They hit Edelman on a pivot route. I think it was Burkhead. Might have been Cordell Patterson, but I think it was Burkhead on one of those hitch routes on the outside. And then finally, the big play was Gronk up the seam. And the most translatable aspect of that system is the idea that guys run a ton, a lot of routes to clear people out of the play altogether. It's designed to open up one receiver and it's up to the quarterback to make the correct adjustment and find out where that receiver is going to uncover. And just a side note on that idea, this is why Adam Gaze loved Kenny Stills so much because I contend personally that Stills ran more dummy routes or decoy routes or clear out routes than anyone in football. And he does it with full speed mentality and no complaints. That's why you love the guy. He's going to fit in very well on this offense. And I know Omar said he could be a possible cast off under the new scheme, under the new regime here, but I think they'll value what he does very, very much so and keep him in line in Miami. And one last note on a receiver that I don't think belongs back on the roster. Talking, of course, about Danny 
Amendola. Now, there's the connection there between Chad O'Shea and all these former Patriot staffers coming to Miami. But would you sign Amendola for a one-year, $6 million contract if he was on the open market? I've seen the argument that he's got leadership. He helps ease the transition from the old scheme to the new scheme. Bullshit. Get rid of all that nonsense because Danny Amendola is the third best slot on this team. He's the fourth, maybe the fifth best receiver on this team. And you don't got to pay that guy six million bucks. I think you can easily upgrade on Amendola and do it for cheaper in the draft. And if you really want to commit to this, we're not going to be bringing in aging veteran free agents, guys that are have big price tags, but maybe not such great production. That's what Stephen Ross talked about the entire introductory press conference for Chris Greer. And Danny Amendola is the quintessential guy that fits that mold. So if you're genuine about doing that, you let Danny Amendola walk, you cut him because it costs you nothing as far as a cap hit, you owe him no more cash, and you get out from a veteran whose play really is not up to the standard of his paycheck. Okay, next on the podcast here, we're going to start part one of a 10-part series looking at the state of the Dolphins roster position by position. We'll jump in with the quarterbacks on today's podcast next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But really quick, we have an exciting announcement from the Locked On Podcast Network who is going to be doing the first ever live show in the network's history. The Locked On Podcast Network is going live with an NBA trade deadline special Thursday at 1.30 Eastern live on YouTube. That's today, actually. The Locked On Fantasy Basketball Channel, hosted by David Locke and fantasy expert Josh Lloyd, plus all the local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network. They're going to break down all the deals, give the fantasy perspective, and have the local angles for your favorite team every day, as always. It starts today, 1.30 Eastern, 90 minutes before the trade deadline, and that's going to be up on YouTube at the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Channel. Up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now, the state of the roster, taking a look at the quarterbacks, and I put it into the prelude of this article, which will follow the other nine positions we'll cover over the course of the next 10 business days here on the podcast and on LockedOnDolphins.com, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. But I talked about how the altering of the offseason schedule occurred this year with the Dolphins because of the head coach not being hired until February, which I believe is the first time they've gone that late into the process as the Miami Dolphins with their 13 head coaches, 10 of those coaches, full-time non-interim coaches. And it really pushed back my schedule for the roster overhaul, the roster preview, all the fun stuff I like to do in January while everybody else is still playing. Well, we got good content in January because of the playoffs, because of our coach coaching in the playoffs, and because of that coaching search. So now on February, before the scouting combine, I wanted to get out my state of the roster piece, a series, a 10-part series, which I'm two pieces into it right now, and I always get tired of them by the end, but we'll see how well I hold up here. And the quarterbacks up on LockedOnDolphins.com. There was a bit of a crossover here from a previous article I wrote talking about the Dolphins' position in the 2019 quarterback market, but this encapsulates the entire Dolphins roster, the players from last year, the players left unsigned, and what we can expect for the future of all these current and former Miami Dolphins quarterbacks, but also taking a look at the free agency market and what the draft has to offer at all of these positions. So we start with the quarterback, and basically the first part of the article shows you that the Dolphins currently owe their quarterbacks 19 million bucks in cash, and the NFL average at the position is 22 million. 
Now, 17.5 million of that is owed to Ryan Tannehill. And sure, 13 million of that will be a cap hit, but it's all about cash owed and cash saved. And Ryan Tannehill, you know, his regression from 2018 compared to what he was in 2016 to me came because Adam Gaze was trying to fit the square peg into a round hole as far as getting Ryan Tannehill up to speed in a hurry-up, tempo-based offense where he had to make these quick decisions and read the defense quickly pre-snap and post-snap. And those were never Tannehill's strengths. His success in 2016 came out of the formula of attacking defenses and 12 personnel out of play-action passing and so much deception that it made it easier on the quarterback to make reads and... That was when he was successful. 2018, they tried to go back. It didn't work. You add in the fact that he was one year removed from major reconstructive knee surgery, plus a shoulder AC joint sprain, a ankle sprain as well. It just all went in the wrong direction for Ryan Tannehill. And with that, his projected 2019 action is that he gets cut, but that surprises nobody. Up next, Jake Rudock, recently signed to the Dolphins roster. He comes over from Detroit, where he was a practice squad quarterback for three years, and now he has no more practice squad eligibility. So if he is going to make this team, it's going to be on the active roster. The Dolphins owe him $645,000 in cash. None of that guaranteed, of course, but he spent some time under Jim Caldwell there in Detroit, so he'll get a crack at one of the backup gigs, I imagine. My projected action on Jake Rudock is that he's the third quarterback on the roster, unless they only keep two which many teams do. So we will see what happens from that standpoint. Up next, Luke Falk, one of two guys, or three guys, I should say, actually on the roster, the former Washington State Cook, go Cougs, and he is owed $480,000, not guaranteed in cash this year. They can cut that and get away from it. And I assume that's what they're going to do. His projection is to get cut or put onto the practice squad once more. He's limited physically. The arm and athleticism are just not there. He was a sixth round draft pick that got cut. And his downward trend since his junior year, which was fantastic back in 2016, has only been downhill since then. He's, his senior year was not impressive. He falls to the sixth round of the draft, gets cut. It's just not good. He's a developmental prospect that at best will play out the string of his career as a backup quarterback. So I have him getting cut or possibly practice squatted or whatever you want to call that distinction. Up next, David Fales. He is a free agent. He's, he made $880,000 in 2018. I have the Dolphins not re-signing and bringing him back. So David Fales moves on. I mean, this guy couldn't even get the job when Brock Osweiler was stinking up the joint for five straight games. And that was with his boy, Adam Gaze, who brought him over from Chicago. Now there's no connections. There's no allegiances there. So David Fells not re-signed back to the roster. And Brock Osweiler, this is what I wrote on the article. First of all, he played for 880000 last year. I put, like Fales... Osweiler's connection to the Dolphins departed for an AFC East rival. We'll always have Brocktober circa 2018. Osweiler projected action for 2019, not re-signed. He is allowed to walk. And then that brings us up to the options to replace this mess of a situation the Dolphins have. And frankly, the reason the Dolphins are projected to be so bad next year or to be in this tanking realm or possibility of tanking is because of this very position. There is just nothing on this roster right now that inspires any confidence. I mean, the Dolphins are 32nd out of 32 right now at the quarterback position, but luckily there's a huge period of player acquisition coming up 
and that means there's going to be lots of movement. Taking a look at the free agent market, we know about Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, and Ryan Fitzpatrick are really the three guys that make the most sense as far as being your starter slash bridge quarterback to the future. Bridgewater made six million bucks last year. Tyrod made 15 million last year. That's way too much. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was 3.3 million. So these guys, if they can get in that, you know, under $10 million range, that would seem to make sense for me just to give the Dolphins a damn quarterback. You can't go into the year with Luke Falk and David Fales and Jake Rudock. You, you can't do it, guys. Get that thought out of your head. It's not going to happen. Now there's the potential secondary market, and that starts with Nick Foles, who was given the option from the Philadelphia Eagles or had it exercised, but then he quickly declined the option, meaning he will go into free agency. I believe the Eagles will lose him to a high bidder out on the open market. We'll see who that is. I doubt that that's going to be Miami because getting away, getting Foles away from that system to me is a scary proposition. Jacoby Brissett, a guy I haven't talked a whole lot about on the podcast here, he's an option, and the attractive part of what he brings is the fact that he's only due $2 million bucks in 2019. The big obstacle there, obviously, is the trade compensation because he is under contract with the Colts, and I see no reason they're going to trade him off for anything less than a day two pick. And personally, I'm not even spending a third round pick on Jacoby Brissett because frankly, we need those draft picks to rebuild the roster and the core of the roster, not to spend it on a quarterback who frankly, in my opinion, will only be a starter for one or two years tops. There's Joe Flacco, gross. Andy Dalton maybe could get cut, also gross. Let's not think about those. And then of course, there's the draft class and We'll talk more about Kyler Murray in the final segment. He finds himself in the news once again and on the podcast once again. I've talked about this before. I think Dwayne Haskins would be a good fit in this scheme for what he can do pre-snap and his ability to get away from, not not really get away from pressure in general, but he recognizes it more than the average 20-year-old quarterback will, and he can get the ball out accurately into tight windows and against zone defenses and that mesh concept scheme where you kind of have two guys crossing on any given play is something they're going to do a lot in Miami so I think the transition there would be easy for him you guys know I love Murray there's Drew Locke out there who I think winds up going in the top 10 and then a bunch of ragtag quarterbacks that I could really do without Daniel Jones you guys know my feelings on the Duke product not a fan Will Greer from West Virginia just does not have the arm to make it happen at this level Jarrett Stidham is a guy that I'm intrigued by but probably Probably not until the fourth round at the earliest. I think he'll go before that. And then Brett Rippon, my guy from Boise State out here in the Northwest, the nephew of former Coug and Super Bowl champion Mark Rippon, he figures to go on day three. I wouldn't, I would not be opposed to sending a flyer or spending a flyer rather on Brett Rippon on day three. So those are the quarterback prospects, the quarterback free agents, and the Dolphins' current roster. It just looks like a mess at the quarterback position. And on tomorrow's show, we'll talk about the running backs with Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balage. But next on the podcast here on this Thursday, February the 7th edition, of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and we have a random mailbag worth of news nuggets we're going to get to on the podcast here. Plus, I'll finally break the silence on the Kyler Murray awkward interview with Dan Patrick. We'll do all that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Some nuggets of news, sounds weird to say that, coming out of New England could be a precursor to a potential move for Miami, taking on more senior consultants around this coaching staff to fill out the experience aspect of it and the championship pedigree, which is getting almost insanely noticeable at this point. 
But one of the names we talked about previously was Brett Bielema, who has coached at the college level at Arkansas and Wisconsin and spent some time with the Patriots this year as one of Bill Belichick's right-hand man. And he was talking about how he wants to be the defensive coordinator of the Patriots or of somebody else out in the NFL. Well, the Patriots named Greg Schiano that for lack of a better term, he's kind of an asshole for what he did back with the Buccaneers and back in his Rutgers days. He will be the DC of the Patriots now that Brian Flores is gone. And that might mean that Brett Bielema has an availability to go ahead and leave. Also out in the ether is Dom Capers, who also says he wants a defensive coordinator job. Now he's been linked to the Miami Dolphins as a potential consultant in that role. If he takes it, that'd be good news because as we all know, Dom Capers is one of the foremost front runners of the dime package on defense. He was one of the founding fathers and one of the perpetuators of that scheme. So that would make me happy for that reason. Other interesting notes around the coaching staff or coaching ranks in the NFL, Jim Turner. We all remember him, right? The am I on drugs guy from the Hard Knocks episode of 2012 Miami Dolphins HBO Hard Knocks. He joined Zach Taylor in Cincinnati Just hearing that, the reason I bring that up is because I'm just so glad that's not us anymore. Adam Gaze bringing over all of his buddies like Dow Loggins up to New York. You got Zach Taylor who, you know, whatever. Sean McVay on the resume goes a long way, I suppose. I don't buy that he has really the credentials to make this job work. And now he's bringing in Jim Turner, another failed experiment. I'm just surprised we haven't seen Mike Sherman announced as the offensive coordinator. I'm just glad that's not us anymore. And one last note here on the coaching search or coaching hires. I found it interesting that the last four coaches under Stephen Ross that were brought in here for Stephen Ross, there's four of them, right? So there's four coaches that were hired as full-time coaches, Tony Sperano, Joe Philbin, Adam Gase, and Brian Flores. And the first three guys were all experiencing severe male pattern baldness. Joe Philbin was pretty much a cue ball by the time he got here. Tony Sperano was having that hairline go pretty far back pretty quickly. And Adam Gaze lost more hair here in Miami than anybody during those three years. So they were all experiencing baldness, but they didn't come home. You got to come home, guys. If you're losing the hair, just shave it off, accept it. And that's the difference between Brian Flores and those three Obviously, this is all done satirically, so please don't take it too serious. I just thought it was interesting. Bald coaches, and now we have a guy who takes the bick to the head and truly came home. So interesting note there. Maybe you don't find it interesting. I do. But I do know something that everybody will find interesting is this Kyler Murray interview that I haven't spoken about yet because, frankly... I didn't find it relevant. If you haven't seen it, he went on the Dan Patrick show before the Super Bowl last week. I think it was Thursday or Friday. And Dan Patrick asked him about baseball and football. And Murray just kind of sat there in silence and it was super awkward. He didn't give any notes or details into what he's thinking about doing. He did mention that spring training starts here in about a week and a half on the 15th of February. So... It looked bad. I'll give you that. It did not look good as far as getting himself out there in front of the cameras. He was there to support or to to promote his Gatorade sponsorship that he has. And I'm sure that a lot of this revolves around the fact that he's going to be a big name, a two-sport potential star, or a guy that has the potential to be a star in two sports, I should say. He has a recognizable face, a recognizable name, and a really inspiring story. So, of course, Gatorade and other marketing brands out there are going to try to take advantage of that. And he should, too. But he shouldn't have taken the interview because it was awkward. It didn't look good. But my general takeaway is that I don't give a shit. I mean, who cares? The kid has a few more weeks to make a huge decision that's going to impact the really the course of the rest of his life. And I think it's funny when people on Twitter can sit here and say like, oh, well, he needs to make up his mind already. He clearly does not love football. You don't know what you're talking about. Like you've never even been close to a situation like that. 
So to judge him on that is just really, really immature in my opinion. So I didn't care. He's still a hell of a football player. If he chooses football, I hope that the Dolphins will be the ones that take him. And a great point on yesterday's Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. If you guys don't listen to that podcast, you definitely should. But they talked about, Daniel Jeremiah did, talked about how Kyler Murray is in this unique situation where he can almost choose the team that he goes to because all he has to do is when he meets with those teams, say, if you pick me, you can, that's great. You can go ahead and pick me. But if you pick me, I'm going to go play baseball. So he can almost choose where he goes. And then Jeremiah, just to sprinkle some more magic dust on the Kyler Murray idea, says, what if he wants to go somewhere like Miami where the weather is nice and he can enjoy the sunshine there and help turn around the Dolphins? That would be something you could think about for Kyler Murray. So I hope it's the case. Who knows? We'll see. And then one last note, I tweeted out late on Wednesday night, my idea that And this goes back to the Brian Flores getting five years fully guaranteed that it's going to come down to which quarterback he ends up being saddled with because he's going to have a chance to attach himself to a quarterback. He and Chris Greer, I hope, make that decision together as far as the evaluation standpoint goes from Chris Greer. And then the personal relationship goes with Brian Flores and the new quarterback. And I tweeted out that there are four quarterbacks in the next three draft classes that, in my opinion, will get Brian Flores to a second contract. Now, that's not to say that nobody else can do it. It's certainly possible and guys will pop up and I left Justin Fields off the list in three years because we'll see what happens with him. But I just wanted to put these four out there. In my opinion, if Brian Flores gets Kyler Murray, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Jake Fromm, who I love because of his personality and his makeup, he's not quite the most talented quarterback, but I think he'll have a good career as a starter in the NFL. So Murray, Tonga-Vailoa, Jake Fromm, and Trevor Lawrence. If Brian Flores gets any of those four quarterbacks, he's going to be here for a very, very long time. All right, guys, that's going to be my time on the podcast today. Remember, if you have a smart speaker, you can play the podcast just by saying play Locked On Dolphins podcast, a new feature here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a Friday edition, a mailbag edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.